Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Enterprise Mobility Insight Outlook podcast. I'm Gina Daniel Lee, Vice President, Strategic Alliances and Partnerships of Stratix. We've got a really hot topic for today, 5G, which is the newest generation of cellular technology. There's a lot of buzz around this right now, but there's also a lot of questions like, what is 5G? How's it different from previous generations of networks? We all know that it is significantly faster for things like downloads, but did you also know that it has lower latency, which is the time it takes for data to make round trips between two points? And that is very important for things like video conferencing that we're all using more these days, or for those of you who have self-driving vehicles like Tesla's. 5G can also make a whole lot more connections, not just smartphones, but I'm talking Internet of Things, devices like thermostats and lightning controls in smart buildings or wireless inventory trackers. There's been the availability of 5G in big cities for a while, but now it's becoming more widely available, definitely more talked about. And in 2022 is going to be the year when most of us really get to see what all the buzz is about. I'm really excited to have Paul Spencer, Director of Channel Partner Sales at T-Mobile, here with me today to talk about this really hot and relevant topic. Hey, Paul. Hi, Gina. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for taking the time to chat with me today about 5G. You bet. So let's start off by having you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure. So kind of said the title. So I'm director of uh, channel sales here, which basically means everything that touches the channel from a sales standpoint, uh, myself and my team are responsible for. So I've been at T-Mobile for 16 years. I've been in the industry for 18. Um, so since since I kind of fell out of college, basically, I've, I've been out, out, in this, out in this world. I, I started out, actually, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about my first Black Friday. So for some of like the legacy folks, I started out in national retail. My first account was, was actually Circuit City. So if you really want to like date yourself, you, you go back to there. Right. But I was in Minneapolis, and uh, Minneapolis is where Best Buy is based. And ironically, I started this job or started in this industry and started on this Circuit City account for like 30 days. And then this guy, the guy who recruited me was actually my catcher in college. I played baseball in college. And um, they they fired him the day, the, oh, day no. after, the day after Black Friday or the Monday after Black Friday, which if you've ever spent a time in retail, you know, like things went horribly wrong if you got uh, let go in fourth quarter. And so I found myself back in the day of like typing in IMEI numbers, 18 digit IMEI numbers while sitting on a sales floor in a really crowded Q4, like, you know, right after Thanksgiving, like those kind of memories. So it was an awesome start to the industry and kind of like cutting your teeth on it. But um, since then I've done kind of everything but government, I feel like government's the only space that I haven't like directly sold in or worked in or, or kind of done all of that. And so uh, a couple of years ago, I'd act, I got asked to come over to the channel side of the house with T-Mobile, and it was uh, something that I hadn't at this point done. I've done a lot of indirect business, but nothing in the in the channel per se. So uh, two years ago, I landed over at the channel, and we've been building things ever since. 
That's great. Thanks for sharing that with us. And it does sound like your career started off with uh, baptism by fire for sure. So let's jump into our topic around 5G. The last upgrade of the cellular network in the U.S. was when we went from 3G to 4G LTE. And I remember how it was noticeably faster. What can we expect now from the 5G experience? Yes, I think there's two really interesting things, in particular as it relates to 5G and then, and then T-Mobile in general. So when you look at just the landscape of 4G, I don't think anybody knew what in the world that would mean. We didn't have Uber, we didn't have Airbnb, we didn't have anything that basically you just kind of take for granted on your phone today. So I don't know that we know necessarily what 5G is gonna bring, but the interesting thing was is when the 4G spectrum and everything, that whole wave came around, T-Mobile was not in a great financial shape, as a company, we were in great shape. And admittedly, we were super late to that game. And we did yeoman's work to build out a 4G network, but I, I think everybody would consider T-Mobile definitely to be a consumer brand. And we did a lot of things in retail. We did a huge, I mean, we built out a thousand stores in a year in retail at one point. Um, it was retail, retail, retail. And then about five years ago on the T-Mobile side, we started making cuts into the B2B segment. We started working our way through there. And uh, all of a sudden, kind of throughout this, these rumors of this, hey, T-Mobile is going to acquire Sprint. Is that really going to happen? I mean, if you guys remember, that was such a roller coaster of this is going to happen. And then, no, it went dark. And then out of nowhere, boom, it just happens. So you're like, OK, well, that 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 sort of makes sense to a degree. Like, OK, let's go acquire another company. And then we get to be a bigger company. And so now we're pretty close to AT&T and Verizon at that point. But really what that acquisition was about, it was about Spectrum. Now, grant you, we got 50 million customers out of it, a bunch of great employees that I get to work with every day and are my peers now, and a bunch of other assets, but that deal is about Spectrum. And here's what's really interesting. I'll give you some key facts. So we paid $26 billion for the acquisition of Sprints. So we got 50 million customers plus, you know, a little bit more than that out of the deal. And then incrementally, we got this huge swath of mid-band Spectrum, almost 300 megahertz of Spectrum. And so, Gina, you're in Atlanta. I've lived in Atlanta. And so I think of Spectrum like a highway because highways are something um, that are not so much as fun a lot of times in Atlanta when you're when you're driving around. That's I live in right. Chicago, so it's not like it's any better here. But um, when you look at that, Spectrum is, is just how big is that highway that you get to drive across? So here's, here's the quick stats. Pre-auction of last year, and I'm going to kind of get to this, um, T-Mobile held 318 megahertz in mid-band. So mid-band is like the juicy stuff, if you will. There's millimeter wave, which we have some, our competitors have bet really heavy on, early on especially. And then you found out that's really great if you're right next to it, but if you have anything blocking it, like honestly a piece of paper, you go from a gig download to like 50 megabits download. It's, it's not a great user experience at all. So that's great for certain certain areas if you can kind of triangulate a bunch of stuff and put antennas all over the place. Now, low band is the stuff that goes super, super far, but the speed's not that great. And so it works really great in rural areas, especially. But if you're kind of, you know, if you're in Chicago or Atlanta, what you're looking for is mid-band spectrum. Mid-band spectrum, that, that is smoking fast. I mean, you're dealing with 300 megabits, 500 megabits, 800 megabit speed downloads. It penetrates buildings extremely, extremely well. So there's no delineation of your experience from inside to outside. And it was that swath of, of spectrum that we got in that acquisition that put us at like 318 megahertz. 
In comparison's sake, um, one of our competitors on the East Coast had about 50 megahertz in that spectrum. And the other one that's kind of closer to you that now has a, 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 their facilities over in Dallas, they were in the kind of 80 to 90 range. So we had a, a significant lead. This is how valuable that spectrum is. Um, one of those competitors went out in the auction last summer and they paid $49 billion for mid-band spectrum that got them close to the 300 megahertz that we have. So if you think about this, wow. they paid almost double what we paid for 50 million customers. And I mean, the mid-band wasn't the only thing we got. We got a ton more in millimeter wave. We got a ton more in low band. Like we doubled our spectrum holdings in that acquisition. So this is super, super important because we started to roll out that mid-band spectrum two years ago. So we have, and this isn't just me stating it, you can go look on a bunch of different network reports and surveys and all of this stuff. We literally have a two to three year lead on our competitors when it comes to building out a 5G network. So this is kind of crazy for me, again, being here for a long time, we've never really had a network lead or network advantage. And now we have this substantial advantage and substantial lead. And so we literally um, are, are, you know, can't build these things fast enough. So when you start talking about coverage capacity, it's massive. And when you get into the B2B segment, and maybe we'll ask some questions around this later, but then you're starting to get into things like private network, edge, cloud computing, ANS services, all of these different capacities that are the things that as we move into a 5G spectrum or 5G world, what does that all mean? That's where this is all translatable. We have a network that we can sell today. Wow, that's incredible. Thank you so much for that background and uh, definitely, you know, put you all in the driver's seat. L let's talk a little bit about IoT. We're hearing about that more and more. And, and what exactly is IoT and why is it so important to businesses? Yeah, I'll give you a great example. So IoT, Internet of Things, it's a kind of, you know, that's the coined term. You're like, cool. What is it? I don't know what that means. Thank right. you. Thank you for the definition. That's super helpful. So IoT to me, it comes down to sensors, trackers, all, all of like the little things that make a business run. So I'll give you an example. We're doing a fairly large deal, a, you know, 30,000 plus deployment with a, with a trucking company at the moment that um, when you think about the things that they are transferring, they've got cold chain applications. They have um, a, a number of different things that they are tracking at any standard and point in time. I'll tell you, there's some some significant shipping companies. You know, I, I won't mention who they are. You can probably figure it out, but they have to track everything. We just announced a huge deal with Alaskan Airlines that you've probably seen some commercials on TV about, where we literally went 5G with everything. So you're literally now using a lot of those things to track every little scrap of data and every little piece of inventory, customers' luggage to pets and little little pet bags that you bring, like every, all of that stuff can now be, all that data can be sourced and gathered and used. And so when you think about IoT, to me, it's connecting all of the little things that are underneath what we use on our smartphones today. So what about like, what are some examples of some IoT solutions in business today? Sure. So, I mean, I think the ones that I just mentioned around, around uh, trucking is a good example, but uh, when you get into different things around healthcare monitoring, so healthcare applications, obviously super, super significant. Uh, the population of our country continues to age. 
If you talk to Medicare, Medicaid, any other healthcare providers, United Health Group, all of those companies are looking for ways to remotely service their patients. And so when you think of remote service, you probably think, sure, you can just do that on a tablet. You can, I, I don't disagree. However, what are the other things that a doctor looks to monitor? So if you send a patient home and it can all be read out on a tablet, that's great. But what are the things that are connected to the tablet? Now, I'm not a doctor, so I can't rattle off like here's all of the different, you know, heart this and this blood pressure thing and all of those things. But all of those things are IoT embedded devices that then feed into the data that reads out into the patient's tablet that then is connected to the doctor. So if you think about, like I've, I've got some friends that are doctors and their biggest challenge is how do they manage their day-to-day -day with their clients? They just can't see enough patients. It's super, super hard. So if you can actually monitor patients remotely or have your staff monitoring them remotely and if things are out of line or don't look right, now you've got the ability to then start interacting with that patient remotely and decide, okay, do they actually need to come to my office? Because the world we've lived in for the last hundred years is, hey, there's something wrong, let me go to the doctor's office. The world we're advancing into is there's something wrong. Okay, what's the communication path back to the doctor and then what's the work they're gonna go do? Yeah, that's right. You know, healthcare certainly um, evolved, especially during the pandemic, right? And, and Stratix has actually grown significantly in this space. You mentioned Alaska Airlines a minute ago. So let's talk a bit about the airline industry. Stratix yeah. and T-Mobile both have a large presence yeah. here, right? Together. Yeah. Um, yeah. 5G has made some headlines recently because yeah. of concerns expressed by the airlines. What's, yeah. what's all that about? Yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not an engineer, um, but here's what my engineers tell me is, so uh, A, Spectrum that we own, B, being a legacy GSM provider, which that's really dating my like technology lingo. But um, when you look at that Spectrum and what we own, the funny part was, is you read or you saw that stuff on the news, inevitably in every report, I, it felt like to me it was a footnote, like you had to do, you're, you know, like back in school when you were, you know, you had to... Uh, what was it called when you had to like write out, you had to give somebody credit at the bottom? I can't, I can't think of the term. What, what I, I, I think that, I think footnote is right. Was it footnote? Okay. It shows you how well I did in, in Right, grammar, me too. If we're yeah, both wondering, not, scratching our heads on a, that. I was more of a math guy than a, than a grammar guy. But uh, the interesting thing was, is the footnote and every, even when that was like on the news and stuff, it was, and at the end it was like, and uh, none of this is affected by T-Mobile's Towers. <laughs> okay, back to you, Bob. Like it was sort of this really weird buried underneath because the headline is always what's the negative if, if you're in the media. And so it was, hey, this is what's going on with AT&T and Verizon and all of these different things regarding airlines. T-Mobile had no effect on airlines whatsoever. We never had an issue with the FAA. Nothing ever came up. If you go look at any of those reports, it always states at the bottom of it. And T-Mobile's towers do not affect airlines at all. Wow, that's really interesting. You know, technology continues to change. It's changing every single day, every minute of the day. G give us your perspective on what's next for 5G and IoT. Look yeah, into your crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, I look at your crystal ball. Here's my stock tips. Here's what you guys should go do. Yeah, that, that could get myself in a lot of trouble here real quick. You know, I, I think this is what's interesting. There's, there's a couple of different capacities that make 5G interesting. And I'm going to kind of start from the outside and work in. So one of the really interesting things, and we promised this in the acquisition, like Ledger was, who was our CEO at the time, you know, to Congress, we're going to make an impact in rural America. And what has been interesting is I have a license to win map 
that I, I can't publish, but that I look at that we work back within the channel community and with our team internally with partners that shows here's where you have license to win. And what that means is this, our 5G network in those spaces actually have faster and more reliable service than the current incumbent ISP. So think about this, ISPs in those rural areas have been able to run Ruckshaw over customers for years. So some, sometimes they're paying 150 bucks a month to have a really poor experience. And we're coming in and saying 50, 60, $75 a month, we can double your experience and lower your costs. So to me, like that's kind of a sneaky thing because everybody thinks 5G fast, every, you know, technology, Uber, what, what is the next Airbnb, like those type of things. But that, that is really one of the places it starts. Then I think as you kind of like start moving back into the cities, I think you get into transportation vertical in a significant way. That is a huge, huge thing where our coverage, especially across highways across America, is substantial. And again, cold chain, everything else that kind of happens along that spectrum from an IoT perspective has huge, huge impacts as it comes to 5G. As then as you kind of keep moving towards the cities, you really start getting into this private network scenario. And private networks is where I think uh, the power of, of the network and network slicing and edge computing and advanced network services get really, really interesting. Because now you're talking about, you know, the United States has an infrastructure of legacy industrial. Now, those weren't built in, <laughs> back in the day with really network services in mind. With our network and a lot of partners out there and how you slice up this network, we're able to provide back to major manufacturing facilities, unbelievable speeds at low latency that they're able to do jobs at half the time. And so it speeds up the revolutions of what's happening. Uh, I don't know, Gina, what that means. My hope would be that from a factory perspective in all candor is a lot of the work that previously has been sourced overseas would come back to the United States. And we could have labor, you know, more labor done inside of the United States Again, that's just my guess, but that, that would be a really cool byproduct of, of a 5G network. It would, and, and you all have a curiosity lab not too far from our yeah. offices yep. in Norcross where you're actually showcasing um, everything that you've just been talking about and uh, with people and vehicles and infrastructure that are all communicating over 5G. So yeah. um, really impactful and, and, uh, and great great place to visit. So last question, it's exciting to think about all the possibilities and you've certainly given us some things to think about today. What guidance would you offer to businesses as they look to adopt new technologies like 5G and IoT? Yeah, I think here's the interesting thing. You almost go back to the original question, which is like 5G is here, now what do we do? Right. <laughs> there was a survey I saw last week. So Callie Fields, who's our president of our, our business group, was the keynote speaker at Channel Partners last week. And I'm going to mess this stat up. It was either 76% or 67%. I might have had a, a dyslexic moment when I read it. Of Fortune 500 CTOs know they need to move into a 5G world, but have no idea how to go do it. So if you're listening to this um, and you're not a Fortune 500 CEO or, or CTO, don't worry. You're, you're in the same hands as, as everybody else. Here's the cool thing. Um, partners, as long as, as well as our team, we have a suite full of people that know how to go do this. We know how to take an intake of questions and problems that you're trying to solve. And I think that's where it comes down to, Gina, is what's the problem that you're trying to solve in your business? 
if there's not a problem and everything's running great in your current network, cool, no problem. Um, if you're trying to solve for different things through remote workforce, security that's managed over the internet, cloud infrastructure, and all of that tied into one, then what does that actually mean for your business and how does it help you? That's something that we can absolutely engage with. If you're a healthcare provider or a transportation company or you're a name your industry out there, airline, whatever it is, um, there's a ton of stuff that we can go do. And so the question kind of becomes to me is as, a, as you look at your business over the next three to five years, what's possible? Like, what do you want it to look like? What is, and how does technology feed into that? And you don't have to have the answer for that, but that's probably to me where the conversation starts. I, I like that. And I, I agree wholeheartedly that that's where it starts as well. So if you've listened to any of our podcasts, um, Paul, you know, we like to end with a little fun and some rapid fire questions. If you're game. Go for it. Love it. All right. So you and I've been on a number of calls together over the last year or so, and you have a really interesting office environment. Tell our listeners a little bit about that. I, yeah, I do. Um, so I, I said I live in Chicago, so it'll sound a little goofy because I think when you think Chicago, you think downtown skyline. And I live in the western suburbs of Chicago, but um, here, here's the story, Gina. I, I'm currently doing this in a 1965 Yellowstone vintage camper. Uh, it's my home office here in Chicago. And um, some people, when they uh, are on the phone with me in a video conference, they're like, what, what kind of background is that? And I'm like, no, it's, it's, not, a, it's not a background. <laughs> um, when my wife and I moved here four years ago to Chicago, we, we bought a hobby farm. So we live on um, a couple, six acres out here. And we've got, I, I think we're up to 27 different animals now that are running around. So there's chickens and goats and horses. Oh and my. That's my, that my, my wife and my kids um, love to go do. So the interesting thing is people are like, oh, so you bought that during the pandemic, you know, because there's, listen, if you follow Airstream or anything else, like that's, that's all the rage is let me get one of those. That's right. Here's the thing. I think I bought this eight or nine years ago um, for like a couple hundred bucks in all honesty. And I did it because a really good friend of mine had just bought one and I was like, wow, that's really cool. Now he bought one that needed to like, you know, wipe off the countertop with and it was good to go. Mine, I had to completely, completely gut and uh, and start over. So I, I rebuilt it like seven years ago. It honestly sat dormant in northern Minnesota, where I'm from, um, up up at a, somebody's cabin for three years and never never used it. I just decided to trailer at home like three years ago, way before the pandemic. And um, last year, about this time. It was a little over a year ago. We went on spring break with the kids. We went down to Florida, and so we're at the beach and outside. And we came back, and I think like everybody else, I've been working in the same spare bedroom office space for a year. And I, I literally, I remember this. I walked in, and I was like, I can't do it. I just, I can't do this. And so I told my wife, I said, um, I think I'm going to just go work in the camper today. She's like, okay. So I grabbed my laptop. I went out here, and I had enough. I had enough Wi-Fi signal to kind of get it to work. It wasn't great. So I hooked up one of our, our 5G hotspots, then it worked fine. After that, I was like, oh, okay, I'll just run off of our network. And so at the end of the day, I come inside and, and um, my wife goes, hey, how did, how did it go out there? And I said, it went pretty good, actually. I think I might like maybe bring a monitor out or something tomorrow. And she goes, I agree. It went very well. <laughs> I didn't hear you on a conference call the entire day. So I don't think I, I've maybe worked two days when it was really, really cold. Um, 
I mean, our Chicago office is open now, so I go down there two or three days a week, but I like to work out here a couple of days when I'm not on the road. So that's the that's the evolution of how I work in a camper. I love it. That's a great story. Paul Spencer live from the camper. Yep. Um, okay, so second question. If you could be a kitchen appliance, which one would you be and why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, maybe a blender, I guess. Okay. I like to mix the, I like to throw a bunch of things in and figure out to make it work if that's a, an applicable applicable analogy. I like think that works. Throw a bunch of different ingredients in there and seeing if you can make something taste good. I think that's kind of the job in the channel a lot of times. It take is. A bunch of different, take it a bunch of different parts and see if you can make something out of it. That's right. I think you're right. Okay, so final question. Who's the fictional character that you have the most in common with? I don't know if it's most in common with. I'd say most I would like to have co in common with is is Roy Hobbs. I don't know if you know who Roy Hobbs I is. I do know who Roy Hobbs okay. is. You know the baseball player. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. From the natural. So yes. I was a baseball player uh, my whole life, all the way through college. And love the natural. I can if that came on right now, I would just not get anything done for the next two hours. It's whenever it's on, I sit down and watch it. That's a great answer, and that is a great movie. So, Paul, it's really great to have you today. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your expertise with our listeners. You bet. And listeners, if you liked what you heard and would like more information or would like to sign up for future episodes, please visit stratixcorp.com slash podcast to subscribe. We'd also love it if you would rate and leave a review for any podcast that you've listened to. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>